And welcome back. We're here discussing the Disney Plus Marvel series Hawkeye episode 2 entitled Hide and Seek. So we start off where Clint asks Kate 21 questions like where did she got the suit? Why is she wearing it? Does she not know that the person who wears that suit pretty much has a target on her back? Because that person, they assume, is Ronan out in the street even though he's been gone for five years or so since the blip. He had made a lot of enemies. This Ronan character that Hawkeye played, Clint, was pretty much a Punisher-type guy where he was killing mob bosses globally. He was wrecking places down and taking down names. He made way too many enemies. So wearing that suit, you're literally wearing a target because everyone's after you. And she was like, oh, whoa, I didn't know all that. <laughs> so then she uh, is introduced to the tracksuit mafia. That's what Clint calls these guys uh, who are after her because of it. And they're fine as they go as Kate and Clint go back to her apartment to get her healed up from her wounds they find her place and send in Molotov cocktails into her loft apartment uh, so Clint is at Kate's apartment trying to play pharmacist well they make a quick trip to the pharmacist let me stop jumping around to get disinfectant and tape and wraps and talk about like why are you doing this what what is your tie to these people so they go to her apartment thinking it's a safe place like a safe house but they're found out so Hawkeye visits uh, after fighting off these guys with her and like escaping, narrowly escaping her apartment. They went for the they went there for the suit, and the suit they left behind because the apartment was on fire. So the suit's just there, chilling as they're trying to escape their own lives. And then he's like, "Listen, it's safer we sit up. You go back to your mom and live your regular life. I'll take over this. You've done more than enough. Thank you for your help." And then pretty much this dynamic of Clint and Kate and he's like this reluctant hero that doesn't like to be seen as a hero type person like in the previous episode when he was with his family it wasn't just his daughter he was there with his two sons as well but I was curious why his wife wasn't with him I'm like are they divorced or something like no I jumped a gun and thinking that negatively too I shouldn't be thinking negatively she purposely stayed home to decorate the house so that her her husband and her and his kids could have father uh family time with his children because he's always out on missions doing things that he never has time to actually spend time with his kids and really focus on them and what's not a better thing to do than to take them to new york city for christmas but they're not gonna have christmas day there they're just there for the christmas week to see the rockefeller center ice skating all those tourist traps that people want to do the the winter parades all that stuff in new york city because it's christmas time and we got to see a different side of clint like yes in the avengers film you see a bit of him as a as a family man as a father but it's not quite the same because it's weird because we've seen this guy's very like rugged like badass he just doesn't care about anything but deep down inside he has a wife and three kids like this guy has a whole life that he doesn't even talk about he's very recluse uh recluse he's just very introverted the only person he ever talked about was natasha who sadly is not with us anymore because she was killed and well, during the Infinity Stones part of Endgame, and her daughter, his daughter, knows that because the, she was like an aunt to them. So she's like, "Hey, you really miss your best friend, don't you?" He's like, "Yeah," because this is during the last scene of previous episode where he escapes the play because the Avengers play was corny. He's like, his daughter's like, "Don't you want to go in there and finish?" He's like, "Nah, I'm all set. I lived it. I don't need to see this anymore." He's like, "Yeah, true." So he spent family time with dinner, and that's when when they went back to their hotel after a long night. They saw the news that the kids turned the TV on, 
that the Ronin person was running back in New York City, and that's why he jumped into action to find his suit and discover Kate is the one wearing it. So, fast forward till today, Clint is trying to do this mission as fast as possible so he can go back home to his family just in time for the holidays. This is literally a Christmas-themed Avengers slash Marvel show. I'm on. I'm in it. I'm in. I'm into it. I'm into it. I like it. It's like Die Hard, and I don't care what people's opinions are. Even the producers of the film, it is a damn Christmas movie. Okay, Die Hard is a Christmas movie. You don't make a movie centered around Christmas, making Christmas jokes in a Christmas party <laughs> at some office party. I get it. The first film is entrenched in Christmas decor and jokes. So. As, if you ask me, I think the first Die Hard's for sure a Christmas film. So similar vibes you're getting here. We're getting the rugged lead, who's a reluctant hero, even though he's a hero. Um, when he was in dinner with his family the previous night, he was trying to pay the bill after ordering so much food, and the manager's like, "No, your money's not good here. You've done more for our city than we than we would never take your money at this point because you're a hero." And he's like, "What? No, he doesn't, he doesn't want to be treated like a hero. He just did what he was supposed to do and save the world as part of the, his M.O. He doesn't see it as an act of heroism. He just sees it as his job. But people treat him like a hero. Very much like many veterans who come back and don't want to be praised very heavily. They're very humble. They don't want to... They, they just did what was part of their duty. So that's how he sees it. So we go here today where him and this new girl who is too young to be doing this out in the streets with no training is trying to be his protege and he's not trying to train her but he can see that she could kind of hold her own in a way but it's a whole matter of you're safer your mom works for a security company you're safe and stay with your mother why are you out here in the street helping you know causing trouble or being involved now listen the whole two first two episodes we get a lot of body language between our um, our two people, Jack and Kate, her future stepdad, who eventually we find out his mom is her mom's engaged, and he doesn't. She doesn't trust him. She doesn't trust this guy. He seems too suave, too smooth, too too good to be true. And this is where we get a scene later down the road. But before we get to that point, uh, Hawkeye ends up visiting the Larpers in New York to find the suit because he saw on Instagram somebody had the Ronin suit. Someone took it from because he went back to the to the apartment after it burned down, and kind of snuck in there as a fireman to find the uh, to suit, and it wasn't there. He thought it was going to just burn to ash until he realized someone on Instagram had the suit on, and he's part of the LARPers in New York. And so he goes there to the I think it's Central Park and tries to find these LARPers. He finds the guy, but has to participate in LARPing in order to get close to the guy because most of the people there are all just like cops and firemen who are just trying to like let off steam and you cannot interrupt a LARP unless you're involved so the only way you can get close to him is to survive a LARPing battle and get as close to him and sort of confront him about it so he does obviously because he can fight but it, it, so, it takes a lot of him to suck up his pride and do this because LARPing is a kind of a dorky activity I get it and Clint seems like a kind of guy that's not going to be into this like his idea of fun is probably darts to the bar and bowling you know what I mean like very standard guy shit like he's probably into pool alleys or whatever or axe bars like he's doing more manly shit but this larping stuff is way too geeky for his character i mean geeky for him like come on really so but he has to wear the damn chain mail he refuses to wear the helmet they give him but he's like all right i'm gonna go in there and i'm gonna take this guy down and get my suit back so he finds the guy who has to who, uh, he finds for participation as he kills a fleet of people on his own and strikes a bargain with him to, to uh essentially get a suit back uh 
essentially he has to die in the battle so that way the guy can get this praise of glory so that he can keep the suit. Uh, funny enough is Clint's like, you serious? I'm not going to let you win. He's like, listen, dude, you're a real-life superhero. You're actually out there doing, making a difference. Me, I'm just a guy who's trying to find play hero for fun. Like, this is just fantasy. If you let me beat you, I'll be the hero for the day, and I'll feel amazing. Like, you're going to help a regular person feel great, and you're going to get a suit back. So he does a job. Like they say in the wrestling world, he does a job, takes the loss, takes the L, and then he, so he can get a suit back. So the guy is like, hey, man, you're pretty good at this. Thank you for uh, help, helping me out and making me look good. But be honest, you had fun out there, didn't you? And then Clint's like, nah. Okay, maybe a little. He's like, yeah, see, this is a fun activity. It's pretty much saying, like, listen, this, this is no different than going out there playing paintball, going out there doing, you know, whatever activities. It's just like every, everything else is fun. Just don't judge you before you try it, that whole thing. So... Once he gets the suit back, we go where Kate goes to the awkward family dinner where she's trying to interrogate Jack through um, these nice, you know, sleek questions. And he's playing along to a little game. So, like, his mom's like, stop asking questions. And then things get intense because she brings up fencing. And fencing is something that she's really good at. She was a two-time champion on it in it. And um, so she challenges Jack to a friendly fencing match or whatever. And... It gets a little intense. At first, it was slow, and Jack's holding back, and Kate is like, no, stop holding back. Play for real. And he plays a little, you know, whatever, until he takes his guard guard or helmet, whatever you want to call it, off, and she goes for a strike and parries it without even looking at her. And it's like, yeah, this guy's definitely up to something. I can't trust him. She knows that he's behind the death of his uncle. And... Why is that so? She was testing how good of a fencer is, meaning how good he is with a blade, a.k.a. a sword. So she knows this guy is a good swordsman. And how, how can somebody get that close to somebody that rich and powerful? Well, your own family would have easy access to you, and I would they? But the question is why he would kill his own uncle for this sword or for whatever reason is he trying to take down his empire and make it his own? Is this guy a crime lord? These are the questions that I'm asking. And this is great because now I'm really invested. Only two episodes in, and we get a lot of humor and family stuff. But then we get this underground crime stuff that's happening. The underbelly, ugly underbelly of the city, where I guess Jack and his uncle Armand are involved in some stuff, but they don't know what exactly it is. They can't prove it. But episode two gets crazy because it goes out to the point where Clint finally gets his suit back after a long day of LARPing and investigating and doing what he can to get close to it. And then he gets confronted by the tracksuit mafia once again and gets beat up and taken hostage. And then who is the one that he that calls him for contact? Not his wife, not the Avengers. Kate calls him. So who picks up the phone? One of the smart-ass mobsters. And they're like, yeah, Clint can't come to the phone right now. So what does she do? As the daughter of the head of a security company, she essentially uh, tracks the phone, tracks his phone, triangulates it and finds some location where he's hidden. She jumps to save the day, but falls to the ceiling, but she lands, not heroically, she face plants her way to the floor and looks up and now she's surrounded by the mobsters. And then this is the point where she gets tied up to a chair. Even though there's a scene that was cute where Clint frees himself easily as he's tied up. Like he's, he's messing with them, trying to figure out who the boss is. And there's some dude over there dressed up nicely. And then all of a sudden, now she ends up tied up and now great. So I'll hit her and him tied together. So I bet you're wondering where the kids are. Okay, there was a scene previously where Clint sends his kids back home 
because he has to do his mission and his daughter's worried he's not going to make it home in time for Christmas. He promised her he is and sends him off. They go back home to where they live in their farmhouse while he goes off and plays hero again. So as they go off to this place where they're captured by the tracksuit mafia, um, she tracks down Barton, locates him, ends up being captured herself, and the gang informs her boss, played by Maya Lopez, of Barton and Bishop's captivity. Now this Maya Lopez is playing a character whose name has not been said yet, but I guess information is dropping that is a character in MCU that named Maya Lopez. The actor's name is Alacqua Cox, also known as Echo, and is a deaf Native American leader of the Tracksuit Mafia who can perfectly imitate other people's movements. As of 2021, the characters appeared in Disney Plus series Hawkeye Returned. Yep, so she is this villain that we know called Echo. I have no knowledge of this Echo character, but apparently they already greenlit Marvel and Disney, a spin-off series starring Alequa Cox as Maya Lopez, aka Echo, um, and it's going to be done by the Eden Cohen and Emily Cohen set to write and executive produce it. Echo was officially announced in November 2021, so just announced before the December started, uh, was revealed that she is... Uh, then Marion Dyer will serve as head writer. So I don't know these names. I'm gonna do my research and I'm gonna do my research on the character. So now I got a question. Why is this Native American woman the leader of this all male Eastern European gang? How did that come about? Seems like the most random is pairing. I, I mean, there was this other dude who was like dressed up nicely, but he isn't the boss. He's pretty much the, I guess, the right hand to the boss. So. Echo, I'm assuming, is since being a deaf archer, essentially what Clint is, Hawkeye is a deaf archer. So I'm like, okay, so there's going to be some similarities here, um, which is going to get really uh, interesting. But it almost seems a little too on the nose. But hey, Flash had speedsters for villains. Green Arrow had archers for villains. So it's only right that Hawkeye's first arch nemesis in the series happens to also be an archer herself as he's training an archer. So again... Similar tropes in many shows, like villains of like the mimic or mirror the hero, the protagonist looks like this antagonist, very similar powers, movesets, whatever you want to call it. it there, there's an equal playing field here that's going about. It's not like she's freaking uh, alien from space. This is a very grounded crime series, and that's what I dig about it because it's a crime series drama. It's also family christmas holiday film which is hysterical to me now the dog that she saved in the previous episode that's kate bishop became kind of like their mascot this one-eyed dog that looks like a golden retriever but he looks like he's one of those like strays or whatever and he was tagging along through this whole trek that the kate and clinton have gone through so it almost made me forget that she left them safely behind in her apartment. So that, well, not the one that burned down. That's her aunt's apartment, her actual apartment that uh, her mom and her live in. Um, so that way she can, you know, just chill and whatever, be a dog. And as these two go off and play hero. So that's the end of the first two episodes. Wow, this, this show is really crazy. Like, I don't want to say crazy in a bad way. I just think it's hysterical because it has humor. But it also has drama. It has intrigue. It doesn't. It doesn't play too heavy on like this is meant for adults. No, it really has a sense of like okay, this can be um, kind of lighthearted, but gets serious at times. Similar to how the Flash and Arrow have that moments of clarity, 
moments of sincerity and moments of levity. You know, it's you're gonna have pieces of this, so it's a little bit of everything for everyone. It's not too heavy like the Daredevil series or Jessica Jones or Luke Cage or Punisher, but it definitely has elements of those shows just toned down to a PG-13 audience, not so heavy on blood and violence, a little bit way more toned down so that it's more palatable to entire families to watch, which I think is kind of smart because the Avengers movies are very palatable and they're not so uh, gritty. I mean, they can be, but it's not as intense as those Netflix Marvel shows that came out a few years ago. But yeah, this is my review for the first two episodes of the first season of Hawkeye. Um, first episode, four and a half stars. I loved every moment of it. A lot of awkward, funny moments there with the Broadway play of the Avengers, with the daughter being worried and the sons being like, you know, wondering what dad's going to do. He's going back to work, even though he's on vacation. Uh, with Kate, we're trying to discover who Kate is, how she became inspired by Hawkeye because of a moment during the Battle of New York where she saw him and she's like, you know what, I want to be like him. He's a regular person, but he's out there with superheroes holding his own. I can do it too. Why not? And then, of course, with Eleanor and Jack, that dynamic, the family dynamic of a new family forming, and Jack isn't that dumb. The second episode, he's like reading books on how to be a stepdad and talks psychoanalysis. I'm like, this guy definitely is plain dumb because this suits him too, because he's a tall, dark, handsome man. He's better just to be a guy that just stands and smiles because you can easily play this dope and behind closed doors, you're the biggest scammer, crime lord, whatever you want to call it out there. We don't even know it yet until we can confirm it we're gonna find out eventually but just not now <laughs> so the second episode i think i gave it also just a four it was decent the first one was better it set up the tone of the series the second one kind of just went along with it but i can't wait for the third one it comes out very soon and it's gonna be one of the best shows i'm gonna review because it's such a timely series it feels like it's something you can watch during the holidays, but also watch it regularly because it's not just all about a holiday-themed things. It just happens to be around the holidays. And that's what I took from this. Love the show. I mean, this is, I didn't know what to think about this show at all going into it, but I'm actually happy that it's actually one of the better Marvel shows. I know, right? Saying that out loud. No, it really is. It has a lot of Marvel tropes in it, so it feels like a Marvel film just condensed into segments and like episodes instead of a two and a half hour long movie. So with that being said, thank y'all for tuning in. This has been another CJR Media Review. I'm the Puerto Rican Kaiju, the Mike for Hire, the podcast mercenary Christian Joel Ramos signing off. So next time as always, stay tuned, stay home, watch some shows, enjoy your time with your families. Happy holidays everyone. I'm out. Take care. What's really good out there, people? It's the Puerto Rican powerhouse, the Mike for Hire, the podcast mercenary, Christian Joel Ramos, back at it again with a brand new review. And today we're going to review the Disney Plus slash Marvel exclusive series, Hawkeye. Now, Hawkeye obviously is self-titled. We know what it's about. It's about Jeremy Renner reprising his role as Clint Barton, a.k.a. Hawkeye. And the series stars Jeremy Renner as Hawkeye and his reluctant... Uh, protege played by Haley Stanfield, Kate Bishop, who is essentially the biggest Hawkeye fan in the world. So that's pretty standard. So let's start with this with what I got from my notes. You know, what information I've gathered. Uh it's twenty twelve. We know what happened in twenty twelve in the Avengers world in the MCU. That was the Battle of New York. Kate Bishop's parents are arguing about selling their apartment, but it's like a rich people apartment like the kinds you sell 
for a million dollars and more asking price. You know, these glorified penthouses that are mansions inside of skyscrapers in the sky. So they're there talking, and Kate's eavesdropping. Her dad and mom know this. Her dad goes and talks to her, and they have this nice discussion like, hey, we're not going to sell that home yet. We're still discussing it. For now, we're just going to hang out locally until we figure out what's going on, right? So that's simple. So then the Battle of New York happens in the background, and uh, Kate can't find her parents through her big old house, and then is just sees the holes in the walls and Shatari. There's a big gaping hole where obviously a bomb went off or explosions from battle, and you see the Shatari coming right at her. But luckily, Hawkeye sees it. The Shatari shoots an arrow and takes him down. And this is a scene from the film where he does this, but we never seen the residents in the building like from their perspective as to what's going on. And she was one of the people that was seeing this as a small child, and it inspired her. So they have Kate's dad dies sadly in this incident. They hold a funeral for him in some nice part of New York, and her mom asks what it's like. And, um, she, you know, it's hard for a child to go through grief and losing parents so young, and her mom's going to make her happy, and she's scared that the aliens are going to come back because, obviously, there was a freaking alien invasion. So how are you going to tell a child, hey, it won't happen again? And they're like, hey, don't worry. The Avengers are on it. They took them down once. They could do it again. And that's exactly how it was. So this is where Kate's mom asks her what she wants and she says she wants to enroll in archery school. So we move forward, and Kate's in college. So she's a full-grown woman, 22 years old, probably her senior year. Kate's dared to shoot an arrow at their clock tower slash bell tower, and she does it so well, a little too well, because Shorty just literally hits the arrows with obviously things on the tip so it doesn't crack the bell. But either way, it punctures. The second time she does she uses like sports balls. First it was a tennis ball. And then she used, like, a baseball or something, and that one really triggered the bell. From, and it broke down and fell into the bell tower. It became a whole thing. And she's like, got caught right-handed, like, oops. But at least she won her bet, <laughs> whatever that was worth. Uh, so she's in trouble. Uh, Clint's, so Clint and his daughter are at the Avengers musical, which literally showcases the Battle of New York and all that stuff. And it's kind of boring him to the point that he's not amused and turns off his hearing aid. And this is where we get flashbacks of why he wears a hearing aid. It's because of all the explosions going on, and it makes perfect sense. They don't need to explain too in-depth, but they do because it's hilarious little montage of all the times he got his ass whooped and <laughs> all the explosions he saw firsthand right in front of him. So, like, yeah, it makes perfect sense. Like, no one's questioning this. So Kate's home from college to visit her mother in her swanky apartment because they kept the house. They never sold it. Maybe because out of respect for the father because it is his family's home but at the same time they wanted to relocate but it's a matter of maybe they wanted to stay there because Kate that's all that she has that's her inheritance who knows they stayed in that same building except now her mom is single for many years and well she's not single for long because she realizes her mom is dating this guy named Jack now Jack seems like the world's biggest douchebag he's got the whole Van Dyke mustache like he's freaking Oliver Queen but I'm like wait a minute this is definitely Marvel this is not DC so is this guy like who is he because I'm trying to without like googling the character I'm trying to figure out who this Jack guy is and what is real he comes off kind of too cool and too and too and too like drippy like he just comes off like like he comes off like the world's dumbest rich guy like no one this rich is this dumb unless they were just you know inherited so much money but he comes off smooth like he has that like vibe on another guy that you kind of like He's a, he's a ladies' man or whatever. So she meets Jack, and she, it's an uncomfortable thing because her mom never brought up to Kate that she was dating again. 
Of course, it's been 20-plus years at this point. Come on. But maybe she doesn't know that she has a new boyfriend. That's probably what the whole surprise was. So they introduced. Uh, so here we go where she, where she finds out that her mom is dating a guy named Jack. He seems very kind but a little dim, or he's playing the part of an idiot. Uh, they all go to this charity auction, and Kate's being dragged by her mother because that's her punishment for breaking the freaking bell tower slash clock tower at her college because it's going to cost her mom a hefty, hefty paycheck. Yes, yeah, she's going to write a big check for the school for that. Uh, so she goes reluctantly. She dresses up in a nice black tux. And I got to say, I am one that thinks certain girls can really pull off tuxes well and look like really dapper, but also sexy. Haley Stanfield in this looks freaking phenomenally. Like she's giving off like big, big, big energy. Like she's just going in there like, okay, I look good in this. I'm owning this. Like her suit game is amazing. She's just dripping in. In, in fashion, looking like she is still, like, even in the suit, you can tell she's still fine. So, like, it's just, mm. <laughs> sorry, I have a little crush on Haley Steinfeld, like, putting it out there in my public. <laughs> but, yeah, she's a great actress. But in this role, this character is a little bit more edgy, rebellious. So she's not going to wear, like, gowns and cocktail dresses. That's not her style. She's more rugged. She's more out there. And if she has to dress up, at least a suit she can, or a tux, it seems more, quote-unquote, proper than wearing something that she would be feel very uncomfortable wearing. So they go to this charity auction, and she finds out through this man named Armand. He's an old family friend. He's a little older. He seems like he is of a big generational family because he's Armand III. His grandson, Armand the Seventh is with him and introduces him to his grandson, to, to Kate. And mind you, I'm like, wait a minute. How do they jump four generations? Not that they jump four generations, just probably like his son was named that and his son named all his kids Armand or something, who knows. Family names just go like that. And they have this introduction there of the character. He seems nice. He seems like a good family, close family friend of uh, Kate's mom, who's obviously related to Jack. So that's their connection there. But Kate, as she, the party's going, she's eavesdropping on Armand, having a very intense, heated, argumentative conversation with her mother, Eleanor. And Eleanor and him are literally giving each other threats back and forth, like, yo, this is getting serious right now. So as this is happening, uh, Eleanor catches Kate eavesdropping, like, hey, what are you doing? Enjoy the party. Stop lurking in the hallways. And then this little moment. And then her mom goes to the auction. But then Kate tails Armand and Jack, who head off into a different auction. They're going to a black market auction somewhere behind some wine cellar in a restaurant, where the real auction for the charity that they're doing is upstairs in a big ballroom. This one's, like, low-key and hidden. So she's caught by one of the servers, but luckily she's wearing the exact black tux that the servers are wearing. So she's pretending like she works there that, uh, yeah, um, Gary sent me here. And the guy's like, wait a minute, I thought I was the only server tonight. No, 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 she sent me here too. But then guess what? As she keeps eavesdropping and being nosy on this charity, uh, on this black market auction, Gary creeps up on her like, hey, what are you doing here? Like, oh, Gary sent me, like, Really, because I'm Gary. And she's like, oh, shit, there's a Gary here. I just made a fake name, and I'm caught. So she narrowly escapes the manager and, and, and like, through the shadows and dodges him into this, like, dungeon-like cellar. Like, it looks like something out of a freaking medieval, like, Dungeons and Dragons or, like, Lord of the Rings. It's like an actual, like, dungeon where people are kept in prisons. But it's a wine cellar, so it probably was something historical. And they just turned to a cellar because, you know, brick and mortar keeps things cool, wine, all that. But she's there, eavesdropping some more, and they're auctioning off the Ronin uh, sword. Remember Ronin? Ronin was when Hawkeye became rogue. Pretty much he went all badass assassin. 
and taking down the bad guys with no remorse, kind of like Punisher style. And he donned a new character called Dick Dubbed Ronin. It was like this ninja costume that he wore with a hood and everything. Uh, but they're auctioning off his sword for what seems to be like half a million dollars. So this thing is really expensive. It's like a retractable katana that can hide the blade in itself. Uh, I guess it collapses the blade into parts because there's no way in hell it can just retract the freaking lightsaber. So that's the, how that's how that's how weapons work. You know, it's not magic. It's a regular sword that's I guess collapsible. But this thing is deadly and expensive and if you're one of those weapons collectors like I guess they got it from somewhere and then after the auction goes on Armand and Jack are talking about how Eleanor is becoming a nuisance and Jack's like relax she's going to be my wife she's not going to be a nuisance once she's in the family like I'm like okay some shit's going down I don't know what they're really talking about but it's definitely not something that I think's going to happen see that's going to be good because Eleanor runs a security company that her and her husband have been running forever. But now she's in charge of by herself. And Jack seems like he's only marrying this woman just so he can be pretty much have the law on his side or at least know how to protect himself because he's doing a lot of shady business with his uncle. And we don't know what it is yet because the first episode we're just getting vibes off people. So here they are, auctioning the suit. But before they can finish auctioning off the suit, they sold the sword. Armand bought it, even though Jack bid against his uncle. Armand took the, the sword, but before he can grab it and they could auction off the Ronin suit afterwards, uh, you hear a giant explosion in the winery, in the cellar, and a bunch of burglars walk in wearing tracksuits. And I think they have, like, Eastern European accents. I'm like, okay, these are definitely Albanians because it's New York City. And <laughs> I'm just assuming it's Albanians. It could be Slavs. Like, who knows? It could be – I'm just going Eastern European because that's obviously what their accents are. But uh, it's New York City. I'm assuming it's Albanians. So they're there with their gold chains and stereotypical tracksuits with the, you know, the tank tops under it. <laughs> but they got the ski masks on. Um, and they take um, – they're trying to take some sort of watch. They're looking for a specific item there. Uh, but Kate sees the opening, and so does Jack. Jack sees the opening first and takes the sword, and even though the, his uncle won it, he takes it, puts it, in, and collapses it, put it in, in its blazer pocket from his tux, and storms off as the explosion kind of like is this big old, what do you call it, uh, diversion for him. It's like, hey, now's my chance to do this. I couldn't win it, now I'm going to steal it. And then Kate's still there, and, and as this is happening, she sees an opening to take the Ronin suit. Mind you, this girl has been training in martial arts and archery her whole life. She wants to do nothing more. That, there's nothing more she wants to do than play hero. So at least here's a free superhero costume on the way. So she grabs it and wears it, and then this is where she gets into the action. And she's confronted by these burglars who are looking for something completely different. But because she's wearing the Ronin suit, they think she's Ronin. So she has to get into battle with these grown men, this 22-year-old college girl. I mean, she's a grown adult too, but I'm talking about like older men, muscular older men, and she's out. She's doing. She's hanging in there at first, but then she's outmatched and outnumbered by by these guys. And she's not half bad, but she really is fighting very well. But she's getting her butt kicked towards the end of this fight, and she could use some proper training with a little fine tuning. She could be amazing, but she's getting there. But she narrowly escapes and thankfully isn't hurt. Um, that she saves a dog that she sees outside who's attacking one of the guys that's pretty much the wheelman and runs off with the dog to Armand's apartment. Um, she finds him dead. <laughs> oh, shit. So, like, um, we're all assuming Jack killed him because Jack has his sword and he had, like, a stabbing mark on his back, pretty much like impalement. And, but she runs off. She runs the hell out of there before she's essentially seen as the culprit. 
so she's cornered by the Armenians once again because they're obviously knowing what's occurring. Apparently, they're all tied together. They're all in the same circles. They're like, we're going to Armand's house and see what we can find. And look what they found. Or maybe they're the ones that killed them. That's when, we're all making assumptions here at this point. But she's cornered by the Armenians, and they're hunting her down. They have her circle outside of Armand's apartment. And it looks like she's stuck until somebody pops up and takes them all out. Like, she hides in a car, locks the doors, and before she can react, they're trying to break her windows in. Somebody takes them down, and it's none other than the Avenger Hawkeye. And he puts her to the side after taking all the men down, takes off her mask. He's like, you got to be kidding me. And that's the end of the first episode, which is, I don't know why I didn't, I guess how yet. the first episode was titled Never Meet Your Heroes, right? The second episode, now we're getting to it. But before we continue, we got to take a word from our sponsors because we got to pay some bills here. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. 